Moved by the Spirit. Thank you, Sheila. I'm glad you were all moved by the Spirit to be here this morning at Trinity Lutheran Church. We're glad you're here. Hope you have a wonderful morning here. Lots of wonderful things going on. And, uh, of course, we're going to put you to work now and make you sing a little bit. Um, but it's a little call and response with a refrain. Um, Jesus says we're always ready to be born anew and made over again, and so we're going to start that today uh, with a song called Build Up a New Foundation. So um, this is the way it's going to work. I'm going to sing a line for you, and then you're going to respond by singing on the rock, build on the rock of justice. Then I'll sing another line, and you'll sing till we build up a new foundation. We'll do that two more times, and then we'll sing the refrain. So you'll catch on. You're good at this. So welcome to Trinity. Happy uh, 2nd of July. Welcome to church. Build up a new foundation. How shall we pursue the dream on the rock? Build on the rock of justice, building true equality Till we build up a new foundation Using our united power on the rock Build on the rock of justice, duty bound We seize the hour till we build up a new foundation We pray, build up, build up Oh, oh. 
Gave you some instant feedback, Carl. <laughs> That's a great way to start the morning, is it not? Right there, build up. Thank you. Thank you to our musicians. We have marvelous musicians, and we appreciate you. Thank you for being here today, everyone. Good to be together on this uh, Sunday morning. I can see cookies in the coffee hour all set up. Uh, the table has been set for Holy Communion. And uh, it is good for us uh, to be together. Uh, and it's not just us. There are people online. We say hello to uh, Diane and Alan Haven. And we also, Deacon George in New Hampshire, who watches us every Sunday morning. We say hello to him. And uh, Fred and Bonnie Walker in Illinois, along with lots of others. So uh, they're all part of our congregation. We're honored by your presence today. The order for the service is printed before you. Everything will be projected for you as well. So if it's comfortable, I'd invite you to stand. Gathered in God's house, we worship in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our gathering hymn, important words for us, all are welcome.
We continue with our litany, our responsive reading for this morning, which will be projected for you. We give thanks to God for America the beautiful. We give thanks to God for patriots. We give thanks to God and for all those who have sacrificed their lives. May we be faithful citizens, God and country. We do not worship our homeland. There is only one worthy of our worship. We give thanks for America the beautiful. We sing our hymn of praise, O beautiful for spacious skies. us thankful hearts, Lord God. Give us thankful hearts for the blessings that greet us on this beautiful summer day. We give thanks for freedom, for opportunity, for the privilege of worshiping together in this sanctuary. Give us thankful hearts for food, friends, shelter, and companionship. Give us thankful hearts 
And then let your Holy Spirit inspire us to live our lives in response to the many blessings that you have entrusted to us. Be with us and guide us, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. You may notice in your bulletin that we have a little different routine for the readings this morning. So we will have today four short readings. You get to help me on the second one. The first reading is from the ninth chapter of the Gospel of John. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? The second reading, I'll ask you to read this one with me, please, is from the 55th chapter of Isaiah. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The third reading is from the 121st Psalm. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where will my help come? And the last reading from Corinthians. Lo, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Living into a mystery, this is the word of the Lord. Jim, Ron, and Carl, and Kevin Christian today. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you for sharing that Curtis Mayfield piece with us. Summer worship, summer worship and summer music at Trinity Lutheran Church. We're blessed by the many gifts that people bring. Um, there were five of them. And then they were gone. In the blink of an eye, there was no trace of their existence. They were among the most privileged people in the world, explorers, thrill-seekers, they had a thirst for adventure, billionaires, a CEO, a legendary diver, and a teenager coming along to make his father's, father's Day dream come true. They were there, drinking deeply from the well of life, descending deeper into unimaginable darkness, floating in a womb, that had offered them protection. And then before they had time to think, they suddenly did not exist anymore. Not in this world. They were killed. They were killed by physics, by bravado, by human failure or neglect. Physics, bravado, human failure, neglect, perhaps all of the above played a part. Can we agree to that? 
They were not killed by God. This was not God's plan. This was an accident. And God, as so often is the case, was left to pick up the pieces, literally and figuratively. At the same time, in another corner of the world, there was a boat adrift at sea. The boat was overloaded with 750 people. They were poor. They were not driven by adventure. Rather, it was desperation that put them out to sea. Privilege had not been a part of their lives. They had little provisions, water or food, and only limited prospects of success. 750 men, women, and children, would they make it to the shores of the promised land? Would they be welcomed? Would they have a chance for a new beginning or their first beginning? The boat capsized. There was panic, struggle, chaos, and death. A hundred were rescued. The rest are dead or missing. Missing after this period of time means dead. They were killed. They were killed by greed, by fear, for political expediency. They were expendable. They were killed by bravado, by physics, by human failure or neglect. Can we agree on that? They were not. They were not killed by God. This was not God's plan. This was an accident or a crime. And God, as so often is the case, was left to pick up the pieces. The scene plays out around us every day. In our community, our community, right here, on multiple occasions, we've grieved the death of our loved ones killed by drunk drivers. We've had members of our own church drowned in recreational waters. Hikers have fallen to their deaths. A granddaughter in our parish was gunned down, killed. They were killed. They were killed by physics, human failure, or neglect, or a simple misstep, or just incredible bad luck of being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Can we agree on that? They were not killed by God. This was an accident or a crime or a miscalculation. This was not a part of God's master plan, and God, as so often is the case, was left to pick up the pieces. But our logic would say, well, wait a minute. If God is all-powerful, if God is all-knowing, if God is ever-present, why didn't God do something? Something to prevent it, something to stop the pain, something to stop the madness. Since the dawn of creation, every generation has pondered the same series of questions. Where is God in my suffering? Where is God as cancer eats away my body? Where is God as day by day my husband slips further away from me, less recognizable as a man I married? Where is God as the curse of dementia takes its toll on a good and faithful man? Medical professionals offer us medical explanations, but those give us little comfort. 3,000 years ago, a beleaguered poet and psalmist captured the agony of our frail human experience, saying, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where is my help to come? 
there must be more. There must be more here than meets the eye. There must be something hidden, something beyond our human comprehension. And we can't help but wonder then in our own mind, is this a judgment on me? Am I being punished for my sin? Or am I paying the price for the sin of my parents or grandparents? I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where is my help to come? And so in desperation, we fold our hands to say our prayers. And it gets very quiet. The silence of God is deafening. The pain of not knowing is debilitating. And so we pray wondering if God is listening. Wondering if God cares. You are not alone in your pain. You are not alone in your anguish or in your doubt. You see, there's nothing new under the sun. People of faith have struggled with the same questions since the dawn of human history. Jesus, Jesus, tell us. Tell us who sinned that this man was born blind. Tell us, Lord. Was it him or his parents who sinned? And I have to think that Jesus just shook his head at this saying neither this man nor his parents sinned. It's exasperating being a savior to humans, you know. <laughs> Martin Luther had a conversation with a skeptic of Christianity. The conversation went something like this. Luther, you say that your God is all-powerful, so tell me, is God, if your God is all-powerful, can God make a rock so big that he cannot lift it? And Luther said God could, but he's busy building hell for people who ask dumb questions. <laughs> Jesus, who sinned that this man was born blind? Okay, let's not rush to judgment. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe the question was not so dumb after all. Perhaps it was a reasonable question given the time and the culture. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's say that they were just trying, trying to make sense of mysteries in a pre-scientific world. They were trying to make sense of suffering. They were seeking insight, but also they were seeking protection. You see, suffering without a cause, seemingly random suffering, was a threat to them. They were afraid. But if they knew what caused such misery, then perhaps they could avoid it in their own lives. They could rest easier if they knew that this suffering was not arbitrary. Random suffering is terrifying. It's like pandemic vapors that flow through the air and strike without warning. Random suffering is random by definition. It cannot be predicted, it cannot be controlled, it cannot be understood, and that is very unsettling. Help us understand, Jesus. Help us now. Tell us who sinned. There had to be some sin in there somewhere. You see, the disciples, these pathetic creatures, flesh and bone like us, were trying to find their place in the world and living into a mystery. We might give them the benefit of the doubt. But I'm also guessing that there might have been at least just a little bit 
of religious self-righteousness going on here as well. The thought, even if it was in passing, that the ones who suffered, maybe they somehow deserved it, had it coming. The thought that the ones who suffered were being punished by God for their actions. I lift up my eyes to the hills from where is my help to come. People of faith have always wondered where is God in my life story and quite particularly in my suffering. And since there is no rhyme or reason in random suffering, they found some comfort assuming that sinners were getting what they had coming to them. There were five of them. They moved from adventure to adventure. They lived in luxury. And then they were gone. In the 13th chapter of Luke's Gospel, Jesus was approached by someone who had breaking news. He ran up to Jesus out of breath. He said, Jesus, some Galileans who had come to Jerusalem to offer sacrifice at the temple were just executed by Pilate. Now remember, Jesus was from the Galilee. Nazareth is in the hill country of the Galilee. Capernaum, his home base, was situated on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. The ones who had just been killed were from his neighborhood. But clearly there was something implied in the question that Jesus did not like. Perhaps it reminded him of the question the disciples asked, who sinned that this man was born blind? Jesus responded to the news with a rather stern rebuke. He rebuked any who would pass judgment on the Galileans. Jesus said, do you think, do you really think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, that they were somehow worse sinners than all the other Galileans? No, I tell you. And the 18 who were killed in the tower, when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they too were worse sinners than all the others who live in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. Well, most of us here this morning would consider ourselves to be Christian. Others are still trying to figure this Jesus movement out. Both are fine. Both are understandable. There's little conformity of thought here at Trinity Lutheran Church. I like it that way, actually, since no person or movement has the corner and the market of truth. But many here have studied the Bible and heard boring sermons their whole lives long. Many have done graduate studies, work in philosophy or religious studies. But here is my question for you this morning. Can we admit, can we admit that we really don't know much about God? Can we admit that we are mostly clueless? And given that confession, can we trust in a mystery that's beyond our logic, beyond our understanding? Can we admit, like those truth seekers 2,000 years ago, that we sometimes ask uninformed questions, questions that must make God shake her head? The Bible asks us to have faith. The Bible does not ask us to understand. 
Jesus said we should have faith like a child. Children rarely understand the logic or action of their parents, much less the master of the universe. Can we admit as Christian people that we really don't know much about God? And would that honesty be uncomfortable for you? Would that honesty threaten you in some way? Let's try this. Imagine a friend or neighbor, knowing that you come to Trinity Lutheran Church, knowing that you're a Christian, sought you out to ask you about God, and you said, you know, I really know very little about God, and I don't really understand God's ways. And the inquirer pressed you, saying, what about the, the Holy Trinity? And you say, yeah, no, nah, I, I really don't understand that. You know, the one God, three persons thing, no, no, I really don't understand that. And they said, heaven and hell? And you said, well, you know, just going to have to trust God on that one. Holy Communion! And eh, not sure I get that one. Not sure how Jesus is there in that cheap wine and stay away from it. I don't, I don't necessarily get that. And they said, so what do you know for sure? And you say, for sure, not much. I believe God loves me. God desires good for me. And that's about all, I guess. Would that honesty be a threat to the inquirer? Or would it perhaps be a comfort to them, knowing that they're not alone in their confusion and questioning? Realizing that all, that knowing all the answers is not really a part of being human. Having the answers is not what Christianity is about. They came to Jesus. They came to him and said, Rabbi, tell us who sinned that this man was born blind. And Jesus said, nobody sinned. How could he have sinned in the womb? No one is responsible. No one is to blame, not his parents. And to blame his parents is to add injury to insult. Stop it. Don't judge others. Don't point fingers. And don't think for a minute that you can comprehend the mysteries of God. And while I'm at it, do you really think that God has nothing better to do than to tip towers over on people? You've been hanging out with me for a long time. Have you ever seen me pushing towers over on people? Do you really think that God gives cancer to children, children he loves, in order to teach them some life lesson? That's twisted. That's sick. That's crazy. Get it out of your mind. Do you really think that God has time or energy to keep score of every wrong and then dish out death and punishment for offenses? My friends, there is a reason. There is a reason. There is a reason that Jesus, as he hung on that cross dying, mustered what little strength he had left to say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Forgive them. They're clueless children swimming in an ocean of mysteries. Can we admit as Christian people, that we don't really know much about God, that we only see in a mirror dimly, to quote the Apostle Paul. This is really important. To acknowledge how little we understand God is important. Having said that, what little we do understand is really important. What has been revealed to us in Jesus is really important. We are loved, we are forgiven, and we are never alone. We cannot be alone. 
how little we understand the hidden God and how much we rely on those three precious promises. And why is this critical? Because we live into a mystery and our logic will fail us. We live in a world that is randomly dangerous and every day calamity strikes and if your family or your body has not experienced this, just hold on. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where is my help to come? Do you think those 18 were worse sinners than all the others who live in Jerusalem? Neither this man nor his parents sinned. And yet, in the randomness of life, the 18 did die. And the man was born blind. They suffer because of physics or bravado or faulty construction or human failure or neglect. We can agree on that. But God did not take their lives or their vision. Lo, I tell you a mystery. We shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. They set out to sea, hoping to arrive in a land of promise. They set out to sea, hoping to add another chapter to their vast explorations. They drifted closer to distant shores, filled with fear and filled with hope. They descended deeper in wonder, floating in a womb that promised protection, and then they were gone. Billionaires and the impoverished. Death is a great equalizer. And they were suddenly home. Before God's time or plan, they came home. Loved, forgiven, and never alone. We live into a mystery. A mystery. Can we admit that? Can we learn how to bow humbly before our Creator and to love each lost soul, prodigal son, and desperate refugee adrift at sea? This is our calling. This is our life's work. And this is the gospel of the Lord. Call me out of hollow waters, the great unknown, what feet may fail. And there I find you in the mystery, in oceans deep, my faith will stand. And I will call upon your name. Keep my eyes above the waves when oceans rise. My soul will rest in your embrace, for I am yours, and you are mine. 
Grace abounds in deepest waters. Your sovereign hand will be my guide. When feet may fail and fear surrounds me, you never failed and you won't start now. So I will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the waves when oceans rise. My soul will rest in your embrace for I am yours and you are mine. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. My faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. I will call upon your name. Keep my eyes above the waves. My soul will rest in your embrace. I am yours, and you are mine. And I will call upon your name. Keep my eyes above the waves. My soul will rest in your embrace, for I am yours, and you are mine. may remain seated as we lift our hearts to God in prayer. 
Cheryl's going to lead us in the prayers. Each petition will end trusting in her mercy and our response. Hear our prayer. Let us pray. Holy God, we lift our eyes to the hills and we know that our help comes from you. You love us and are present with us always. Help us believe in you, even when we are adrift or we do not understand or feel your presence. Trusting in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of steadfast love, ignite the hearts and the souls of the leaders of this country, community, and world with extra grace and strength of character. Teach their hearts to legislate with compassion, assuring every form of justice for this creation and all of your people. Trusting in your mercy, hear our prayer. We give thanks for all of those who have sacrificed and given so much in the defense of freedom and justice and in the service of others. We thank you for this nation with its strengths of religious freedom, the promise of equal human rights and constitutional law. May we strengthen and preserve those values and keep moving forward toward your vision of a beloved community where we govern with justice, with mercy, and with humility. Trusting in your mercy, hear our prayer. Bring healing and comfort for those who are suffering from illness, physical, mental, or emotional, and for those who care for them, especially those we lift before you now, either spoken out loud or in the silence of our hearts. Trusting in your mercy. Hear our prayer. God of all that is, seen and unseen, guide us to be a welcoming reflection of your love in all that we are and in all that we do. Give light to our eyes to follow your path of grace. Trusting in the one who sets us free we are bold to say, Amen. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you. So with you. Stand up, share the peace. Thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing.
Thank you for sharing that green and peace. Lots of announcements printed in your bulletin. Take a note of those, they apply to you. And after service, come on over to the gym for a time of coffee, cookies, fellowship, get to know each other uh, better. Uh, the fl flowers on the altar, were f or the shelves here, were f uh, from the Gloria Hartnett's funeral. Uh, beautiful funeral. Thanks to all those who helped with that. And right down in front of me, right here, are these beautiful flowers in front of me? Do you know Kitty Walker? She comes to late service. Her assigned seat's right there in on the aisle. She's 94 and a half. And every Saturday, she doesn't buy these. She goes out and collects them and arranges them and brings them in for us. If you see Kitty before the next service, uh, give her a hug and thank her. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, also want to give a shout, out, a shout out to the Rices and Karen and Leon. Wave at me, you four. Wave at me, those four right there. They have been in their assigned seats, which were like three or four rows back for like 20 years until a few weeks ago when I said no one can see people online. And they switched their assigned seats and moved forward. <laughs> And um, you can say whatever you want. Change is hard, and we so appreciate you giving up your assigned seats and moving closer to me. Thank you for that. Um, along those lines, uh, we have visitors, uh, Johnny and Todd, right there. Wave at us. They're getting married tomorrow. All right. And so we celebrate with you, and thank you for spending this morning with us as well. I'm going to call on Hulana first, I think. Get my pen out. All right, here you go. I know you missed it for two weeks. Don't even, don't even start. Okay, so the first thing is we really need ushers for July. Okay, um, we've got them for today, but none of the other weeks do we have full. So uh, unless you want me to come to your house with my headband on, it might really help if you could go and sign up. And just in case you weren't sure where on the paper it was, I highlighted it in yellow. Okay, you know, it's a teacher thing, kind of like my clipboard taking names. <laughs> All right, second one. How many hats do you have? Oh, stop it. Okay, so I don't put this hat on right, so if anybody really is a chef and knows how to do this, if you could kind of meet with me and give me a lesson, that'd be great. Because last time it was a painter, it was off to the side. All right, so um, our luncheon is coming up, but I'm sorry to say it's not the third Thursday. Change is hard, I know. Um, it's the second Thursday because the third Thursday is vacation Bible school. So um, this one will be a good one. We are, so it's July 13th at noon. We are doing ribs and chicken. We will be smoking and barbecuing for a few days. So what we are asking, oh, and we'll have hand wipes too, because, you know, faces, bibs. Okay. Um, so what we're asking is that you bring salads to go with, you know, chicken and ribs. Now, thankfully, 4th of July is right around the corner, and I know you guys are going to be going to potlucks and stuff. Find a, pot, find a dish you really like and ask for the recipe. That'd be great. Thank you.
Thank you, Lana. <laughs> Nicely done. Thank you. As always. Good morning. <laughs> Just a couple of announcements for me. On this Wednesday, which is the 5th, I'll be leaving the island early in the morning with eight of our high school students and Kaylin Murray, and we are headed to the Western States Youth Gathering in Thousand Oaks, California. So please um, keep us in your prayers for safe travels and an incredible journey for uh, these kids as we'll be gathering with other students from all over the western half of the U.S to explore our faith and serve our community and have a little fun in the sun too. And then Vacation Bible School quickly follows July 17th to 21st. Um, registration is available on our website. There are also forms on the back table um, under the art display in the, in the Narthex. And there are volunteer forms in there too if you'd like to help out for a day or two or come for the week. Or if you're curious how you could help out or wanna know more about VBS and day camp, come and talk with me in the gym. Thanks. All right, thank you, Lana. Thank you, Amy. Yep. Finally, we were uh, being kind of overrun with hemlock here on the property, and Joe Sheldon and Mark George spent a whole day out there clearing over 500 pounds of hemlock off our property. So when you know Joe Sheldon, who be at the late service, and Mark George, too, give them a thanks as well. A word about uh, Holy Communion. The same as our opening hymn, all are welcome. Uh, this is not a Lutheran table, this is the Lord's table. There's only one host and it's Jesus. So it doesn't matter where your life has been, doesn't matter where your journey's taken you, doesn't matter if you're worshiping with us for the first time this morning, you are always welcome at this table. The ushers will help you to come down the center aisle. You'll come to the little River Jordan there, our baptismal font. Hold out your hand to receive the host, the body of Christ. Hold on to it momentarily, and then dip it and tinct it into the chalice of your choice. The first chalice of wine, the second chalice of grape juice. We also have gluten-free elements as well. As we transition now to the table, I'd invite you to stand. gather now at a table that welcomed our parents and grandparents, a table that will welcome Christians of a variety of colors and denominations across the globe this day. As we gather them, we remember a Thursday night in an upper room in Jerusalem. It was the night in which he was betrayed. And on this night, Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks. Then he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And again, after supper, he took the cup and gave thanks. And he gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. As often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, Jesus Christ has promised to be present with us. Into this mystery, we pray, as Jesus taught us, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. 
gifts of God for the people of God, all are welcome. Please come. You may be seated. This land is your land, this land is my land, from California to the New York Island, from the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream water. This land was made for you and me, as I was walking on that ribbon of a highway, I saw above me that Oh. 
sparkling scent of her diamond deserts and all around me a voice was sounding this land was made for you and me this land is your land this land is my land from california to the new york island from the redwood sun was shining and I was strolling through the wheat fields waving and the dust clouds rolling and the fog was lifting a voice was singing this land was made for you and me this land is Build a strong, longer table, not a higher wall. Feeding those who hunger, making room for all. Feasting together, stranger turns to friend. Christ breaks walls to pieces, false divisions end. Christ breaks walls to pieces, false divisions end. Build a safer refuge, not a larger jail, where the weak find shelter, mercy will not fail. For any place where justice Christ will breach the jail wall, freeing all inside. Christ will breach the jail wall, freeing all inside. Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you now and always in God's grace. Fed and forgiven. Depart from this place now to make a difference in the world. Make a difference where God puts you this week. And as you go, may God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Sending him the right hand of God.
Amen.